Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Crash the UK Geek Podcast with me, Roy Matur. This is episode 427, recorded on a very early Sunday morning, Sunday the 6th of February 2022 at 0009.43. I have just finished watching Nightmare Alley, and I will be talking about that in a bit. Just to remind anyone who is listening for the first time, I don't even know why I say that anymore. It has been nine years. This is not a film review podcast. I talk about all things science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Today, however, I will be talking about a film, and that film is Nightmare Alley. As we're in the pre-show section, let me just say that I'm sorry I am struggling to get these shows out. I won't bother you with the reasons. You know them already. But I'm back tonight, or this morning, and ready to talk up a storm of geek. And more on the subject of the word geek a bit later. Although my show notes are arranged in the order that I consumed my geek media, meaning Nightmare Alley is at the beginning, since that is the main topic of today's show, let me talk about everything else that I've got in the show notes, and then we'll come back to that. Let us start off with Time Lord Victorious Daleks. I mentioned this weekly five-episode free animation on the Doctor Who channel on YouTube starting in November in pod 339 back in 2020 and finally got round to watching it at the end of last year, literally the end of last year. 28th of December, and then, other than tweeting about it, forgot to actually talk about it on the pod. There are a surprising number of things that end up this way. There is so much that I've consumed that just hasn't made it to the pod, because either I've forgotten, or I haven't got round to doing it yet. Oh, and by the way, just a tangent for a moment. I wish I'd mentioned this before, but I am using a new mic today in this podcast. For the first time, I am using an SM7B. I'm not going to make this devolve into a discussion about mics, which is what always happens. I usually use the SM58. That replaced my XM8500. I also have an 8875R, but I have noticed that the SM7B is definitely the most forgiving of all those mics. I have had it for a while, I haven't used it yet, because frankly, when you get used to a mic, you do not want to change. And I had this big phobia about having this huge cannon-like object pointed at my face. So bear with me if I sound a bit nervous tonight, that's why. 
Back to Time Lord Victorious Daleks. It was part of the Time Lord Victorious multi-format story, which also consisted of books and audio, which all meant that if you were to go through the whole Time Lord Victorious thing, you would have had to buy a lot of stuff from DoctorWho.tv to experience the whole story. I did not. I just watched this little computer-animated show on YouTube. In Daleks, those dastardly Daleks are attacking the powerful mechanoid civilization. And when I say mechanoid, I said mechanoid, not mechanoid. Pay close attention to the spelling if you want to search for an image of these robotic creatures. They are an entirely artificial species of robot life with, ironically, far more emotional depth than the armour-encased mutant cyborg Daleks. And arguably a greater aesthetic sense than even the human race. We first meet them in the Vintage Doctor Who story, a six-parter, called The Chase from 1965. Yes, 1965. So we have already covered this back in pod 44 in 2014. That seems like such a long time ago now. They also appeared in the TV Century 21, or... TV-21, as it was later known, comic books. Time Lord Victorious, Daleks, was written by James Goss and consists of several fairly short adventures, beginning with the Archive of Islos, the Sentinel of the Fifth Galaxy, Planet of the Mechanoids, yes, Now I said mechanoids, there is no consistency in the spelling of these creatures. Even by the Beeb. The Deadly Ally. And Day of Reckoning. They were roughly just under 14 minutes each, and were released as webcasts on the Doctor Who YouTube channel from November to December 2020. The author, James Goss, is also a producer on the periphery of the main TV series. He has worked on Torchwood, for Big Finish audio productions, and some other Doctor Who animated renditions of vintage episodes. In Daleks, I thought that the art of the animation was good, but very, very obviously computer-generated and rather static. Also, as someone who remembers all the crazy acid house and technographics of the 80s, but unfortunately didn't even attend one rave, it was very trippy-looking. So, if you were either not around to enjoy the rave scene or were not trendy enough to actually go to a rave, you can relive them 
by watching Doctor Who. That just doesn't sound right. <laughs> Am I mocking my own nerdiness now? Yeah, probably. And that is it for my short-ish review of Time Lord Victorious, colon, Daleks, exclamation point. Next, I found this little tidbit of information that perhaps I have mentioned before, I'm not quite sure, but it is regarding the nascent Ray and Finn romance in the Star Wars sequel movies and just what the hell happened with that. There is an article by Zach Scharf of IndieWire from 2020 titled Star Wars author tells all about removed Finn-Ray romance. The article explains the thoroughly obnoxious reason why the obvious burgeoning romance between Ray and Finn was quashed. Author of the tie-ins, Alan Dean Foster, and pretty prolific and good author, who we mention a lot on this pod, or we did do years ago, is quoted to have said in this article, We all know why Zero happened with it, and there's no need to go into it in depth. But that's sadly just the way things are. Ah. Oh. Man, that is depressing, and how crappy to have that confirmed in print by someone on the inside. Next, sticking with Star Wars, but not quite as despondent as that item, let's talk about the book of Boba Fett. The last two episodes, five and six, and we're getting dangerously near the end of the book of Boba Fett now. Here's my take on what happened when we see Luke training the teeny little Grogu. Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano are protecting Grogu from attachment, as is the way of the Jedi Order. We see this from how Ahsoka guilts the Mandalorian, Mando, Din, Djarin, into not visiting Grogu because it might upset him, might upset his training, make him wonder whether he should continue being a Jedi. And that's all well and good, if a little cruel, I think. And then Luke does something that's completely inconsistent by forcing Grogu to choose between the Jedi or Mandalorian way. If you remember that scene where he offers Grogu either the gift from Din, the little suit of chainmail, or the lightsaber of Yoda. This either indicates really inconsistent and poorly thought-out writing, or that these two young Jedi seem to lack emotional intelligence, and Luke is a bit of a callous bastard. Let's now also talk about Luke Skywalker's CGI 
I thought the way they created Luke Skywalker as a much younger man, post having his hand lopped off by dad and starting to wear the slightly dodgy looking Nazi-ish uniform, was just about flawless. I could not really see the seams. I knew something was very slightly off, but that's really because I'm a fan of Star Wars and I read what people are saying. I knew it wasn't an actor and it looked a bit too close to be Luke to be himself, but if I had not known that, man, that would have fooled me. Here's the thing, and I know this has been said before, but I really felt it this time, and I just don't like this ongoing trend sets for working actors. Getting a job as an actor is hard enough. While Mark Hamill did the voice acting in conjunction with Max Lloyd-Jones, standing in as a body double, I'd rather have a real live flesh and blood actor in the role. I think it worked well for Han Solo in Solo A Star Wars Story. Yeah, I quite like that. So I can't see why it wouldn't work here. Let's move on to the mysterious gunslinger of the last episode. Who is that mysterious gunslinger who shot the marshal? That was Cad Bane from Star Wars, The Clone Wars, 2008 The Animated TV Series... I cannot claim to have known who he was before looking this up because I have not seen The Clone Wars. I did my research and yeah, that's who the character was. I didn't think he was facially that sinister looking. Yeah, he's got those glowing red eyes. The face is too round, and there's something about it that's too friendly looking. I know they were going for sort of a blue skull type thing with glowing red eyes, but the face did not scare me. The look, though, was pretty cool. I read somewhere that it was based on Lee Van Cleef, the preacher character from the Good, the Bad and the Ugly series of films, Spaghetti Westerns. I can see that. Just seeing that figure in the cowboy outfit walking slowly towards the marshal, towards a high noon style gunfight was really cool. I do think though that the mixture of styles in Star Wars is jarring. The way we've got mods, and by the way, mods, (laughs) it didn't occur to me until a few days ago, that, yeah, they're mods on Lambrettas, and all I was thinking of was really Quadrophenia. It didn't occur to me to listen closely and make the connection that they are modified human beings. So, in the show, they are called mods. Yeah, it's a stupid, stupid in-joke. As obvious as it was, I missed that myself. Okay, where were we? Yeah, we were talking about Cad Bane, the cool gunslinger. Apparently he's a bounty hunter. And I'm sure we'll see more of him. 
in the standoff between the Marshal and his deputy and Cad Bane, I can only hope that the eternally annoying Hick Marshal, Cobb Vanth, is actually dead, but I'm sure he's not. Yes, I'm not a fan of uh, Marshal. That stupid neckerchief that he has. Bandana, sorry. And it's even more annoying that I wear a red one when I'm doing my gardening. There's something about him that just rubs me the wrong way. Flipping back to episode five. Oh, I've got all the episodes mixed up, haven't I? Well, it doesn't matter. I cannot remember now if Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tana thing was episode six, five, what? You know, it's all muddled up. Not that it really matters. Let's move on to the episode. I can't remember which one it was now. With that amazing ring world slash ring station presumably orbiting a sun. Amazing. As a fan of hard science fiction, that was the biggest thing for me in episode five. Yeah, episode five, I actually wrote it down in my show notes, so now I can tell you. It makes me literally salivate in anticipation of the upcoming Amazon adaptation of Larry Niven's Ringworld. Yes, there's going to be a TV series on Amazon. Hopefully it's a little better than the Foundation TV series, which wasn't entirely bad, but very, very different from Isaac Asimov's book. And yeah, I did give it a chance. When everyone was complaining about it, I stuck with it, but yeah, it didn't really gel with me. So I am hoping for good things about the Ringworld TV series. And I hope that the protagonist is Louis Wu and that Louis Wu is an Asian-looking character. And yes, I know it's far in the future and Louis Wu is far more mixed race even in the novels. But... I want him to be detectively Asian. There's some amazing book cover art that has a picture of him with a shaved head and he looks really cool. I hope he kind of looks like that. He does look a bit Ming the Merciless, which really isn't the best look for Asian characters nowadays. It's a little old school and frankly a little bit insulting but he looked cool the character on that particular book i think it was a paperback book i don't have a copy of that anymore perhaps it's time to buy a copy of ringworld and ringworld engineers i think there was a third book as well but the first two are the classics in preparation for that new amazon series Let's move on to something I've talked about before. (laughs) Oh man, this is my accent fascism again. I'm so sorry. And that's to do with the Moon Knight accent. 
I just wanted to re-emphasize how much I don't want Oscar Isaac doing a Cockney-ish slash London accent in the upcoming Moonlight TV series. Oh man, I've just had it with bad accents. I don't know why they just keep doing that. It's like they're trolling me personally. Oscar Isaac is an excellent actor who I respect in all his previous roles, but the London accent I heard in the trailer stinks. The London accent is a notoriously difficult one to pull off. Even for non-Londoner British actors. And it usually results in unintentional comedy. Unless they are actually going for deliberate comedic effect. I could live with that. But if they're not, which I suspect they're not... Please, don't do it. Don't do it. Remove that section from the film that you've already shot, or dub it. Get a Londoner to... Oh, what do you call that? ADR? Anyway, just replace Oscar Isaac doing his version of a Londoner with an actual Londoner. Oh, man... It really bothers me, this stuff. It's just, when you hear a bad accent, it throws you right out of the movie. Or the TV show, in this case. TV show. Although I heard him saying recently on something that he would be doing a film with Moon Knight. Oh man, my accent fascism. Okay, moving on to technology. I've been playing with text editors lately. Just a little personal history first. I first used the MS-DOS editor back when I was using DOS in the hmm, late 80s. I moved on to Programmer's File Editor in Windows. That's 16-bit Windows, Windows 3.1x. I then moved on to Metapad by Liquid Ninja. What a great screen name that is. And about that time also started moving into using Vim, Bram Molinar's version of the Vi editor, originally for the Amiga. I have used many other editors, too many to name, Sin, Context, oh, just so many. Notepad++, although that let me down badly. One version did, so I stopped using that. Those were the ones I used the most. The MS-DOS Editor, Programmer's File Editor, PFE, Metapad, and Vim. Of those, I invested an insane amount of time in Vim. I sometimes would spend more time hacking my VimRC than I would doing the actual development job that I was supposed to be doing. It was nuts. I've been using Vim since around version 6 point whatever. That was back in the early 2000s. And a few months ago, I upgraded from 
version 7.3, which came out in 2010, to the latest version from 2021, that's 8.2. If you're a nerd, you'll understand the reluctance to upgrade, because when things are working, why mess with that? Nerds are notoriously conservative. That's small c conservative, the word conservative, not the political party. Nowadays, I also use a version of Notepad2, Notepad2-mod, but I find its propensity to read the contents of my file and decide for itself what the encoding should be monstrously intrusive and a big nerdy no-no. If you want to know what I mean, try saving an HTML file containing the string meta char set utf8 in ANSI. Yes, I know that doesn't make sense. Why would anyone want to? Well, I might want to. And it never works. It will save it in that state when you click save, and then when you close and reopen, it will open it back in UTF-8. That is a pity, as there is definitely something to be said about simpler text editors like Notepad 2 that don't turn into a lifestyle choice, as does the Vim editor. If you don't believe me, just look up the cult of Vi versus the Church of Emacs. And by the way, in that continuing religious war, puny Emacs users, I'm addressing you, we, the cult of Vi, are winning. Also, you can try searching for Vi or Emacs in Google. If you search for Vi, you'll get the result, which is a little joke by the Google developers. Were you looking for Emacs? And if you search for Emacs, it will say, did you mean Vi? I find that bloody insulting. It should always encourage you to search for Vi and despise Emacs. While I'm on this wild tangent, did you know I once got attacked on XKCD for talking about Vi? Talk about cults? XKCD is a cult. And the mods are complete and utter bastards. Where were we? Text editors. I've been talking and talking about text editors. Let me get to the point now. Every now and again, being a fan of the well-crafted text editor, which is, of course, the Swiss Army knife of geekdom. I like to test the waters of the state of text editors. I like to see what's currently available. Currently, nothing is available. Not recently, at least. I was hoping to find some nice new multi-platform apps, but no, instead... I revisited two editors that I have had high hopes for over the years, Atom and Brackets, and found that Atom is still as slow as it ever was, and Brackets is still underfeatured. And so the prodigal son returns to Vi. Oh, shut up, Bram. 
the way that development seems to have slowed down in open source software like text editors is frankly a little alarming. I remember years ago, something new was coming out all the time. It was new and exciting and developers were always banging on about their new thing. And now it seems like nothing new comes out. All we get is patches and fixes and a couple of updates. The landscape out there in open source development seems a little bleak. Not just open source development, just general development, actually. When was the last time you heard of a spanking new piece of software? Yeah, sure, games, but software? Software that has nothing to do with gaming also excites me. But all we get is more bloaty versions of software that's already been out for years, like, I don't know, Microsoft Office. I'm still using a very old version of Microsoft Office because nothing after that really improved. But that's uh, another rant for another day. Let us now talk about the thing that we were all here to talk about in the first place, and that is Nightmare Alley. Finally, yes, we're getting to talk about Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley is, in fact, a second adaptation of William Lindsay Gresham's 1946 novel of the same name. There was a film in 1947. This, this modern version is directed and partly written by Guillermo del Toro, and it stars Bradley Cooper as a protagonist, a poor man with a traumatic past, who joins a carnival as a roustabout, then becomes a carny himself, shilling for a mentalist act. I've skipped over half a dozen bits there, but that's the general gist of what happens for almost the first half of the movie. He eventually leaves, taking the mentalism act on the road, uh, along with the carnival's electric girl, and together they find fame and fortune. That is, until he runs up against a classic femme fatale psychologist played by Kate Blanchett. I love the underbelly. I love that the grime lives right alongside the glitz. Some of the sets were fantastic, like Kate Blanchett's glorious Art Deco office. It had marble and wood panelling, and this great big window looking out onto a balcony and snow on the outside, and this curved couch. Ah. But then I've got a soft spot for that kind of decor. Let's move on from the <laughs> set and talk about something else. William Dafoe played a truly evil character disturbingly well. I was reminded of his Bobby Peru from Wild at Heart only twice as nasty, if you can actually believe that. I really do hope that isn't how you recruit a geek. The live chicken-eating type, not our type of geek. 
the film is beautiful and dark. The cast is stellar and no doubt very expensive. For example, there's David Strahan, Ron Perlman, Willem Dafoe, others, Kate Blanchett, of course. Bradley Cooper is an actor I like, but he did not convince me in the role as the protagonist in this grimy and dark tale. And for a hard-bitten film set in that time period and setting, the dialogue is almost devoid of tough guy Argo. I love noir. I love pulp. I love horror. I've seen more of it on the screen than most people. You'd have thought that a film like this, a combo of all those things combining some of my favourite genres could not fail, but I just couldn't get along with it. Perhaps it's the length of the movie, perhaps it's, as I've already said, seeing Bradley Cooper in that role. He doesn't look at home there until the end. I usually spoil these films rotten, but I don't think I'm going to spoil the end of this film this time. I'll just let you sit and make up your own minds and maybe tell me what you thought of Nightmare Alley. That is my shortish review of Nightmare Alley. That is it for the show. Ah, we're in the after show section now. Ah, just had a swig of my energy drink. Ah... I don't know about this mic, you know, this SM7B. I've replayed some of it during the recording when I had to stop and go back, or there was a noise and I had to wait till the noise went away. Environmental noise. Dad. Yeah, I don't know. I've replayed some of it and it sounds okay. But I just can't seem to get used to this position and the size of the mic. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll get used to it, or force myself to get used to it, if it sounds good and leads to less editing for me. Which is the whole point of having a decent mic. Yeah, where were we? Oh yeah, after show. Yeah, well, we are in the after show section, so I can talk about whatever the hell I want. But I do have two specific things I wanted to say. I'm sorry about that. My voice is croaking a bit now. Prepare for a party. Future party. July the 3rd this year is the official 10th anniversary of this pod. Believe it or not, on the 3rd of July... 2022, we will have been podding for 10 years. That is the longest thing I have ever done. That is, oh, I can't imagine. That is longer than my, uh, well, (laughs) marriage. So that doesn't really count. Longer than any job I've ever done by about double 
So on July the 3rd, 2022, prepare to party. Party of one, probably. This is a solo show, after all, although I've had guests. But who cares? Any excuse for a party? July the 3rd, put that in your calendar. I don't know what I'm going to do for that podcast on that day. I thought of maybe doing a live stream, but I fear that there would be no one participating in that apart from me, and that would be very depressing. (laughs) Okay, then let us do the final item, and that is New Year's resolutions. What happened to my New Year's resolutions this year? Every year, I usually write them down, tell you all about them, and then discuss how I have failed in every one of them, usually, every year, or only semi-accomplish them. That's a more positive way to look at it. They're never complete failures, but they're never complete successes either. This year, I didn't do that. I didn't make any resolutions. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic, and it just seems like the end of the world, and I just can't be bothered to do them anymore. I just didn't make any. If you think I should have New Year's resolutions this year, you tell me what they should be. I'm absolutely serious about that. I have no idea what I should hope for anymore, so please let me know. I know that some complete bastard is going to say, yeah, you know what you could hope for, Roy? You could hope for death. Please, don't be that complete bastard. Ah, that was quite a sigh, and that's it. The show that you just listened to is made by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen. Recommend it to a friend or enemy mortal or otherwise, or click on the contact or support link on the website. Yes, there is a support link on the website. You can go there, you can click on it, you can contribute a minuscule amount of money to help this show carry on. Minuscule. Teeny, teeny, tiny, teeny, teensy, tiny little contribution that you will barely notice, but will help me immensely. Are you getting the message? Thanks for tuning in. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK Geek Podcast, episode 427, recorded on Sunday the 6th of February 2022, and ending at 01-17-32. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!